This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to I'm So Obsessed, where we get the inside take from actors, artists, and creators on their work, career, and the things they obsess about. I'm your host, Connie Guillermo. Garcelle Bouvet has come a long way since she moved from Haiti to Boston when she was a child. She learned how to speak English while watching Sesame Street, and as an immigrant, decided she would pursue every opportunity she could because she was so grateful to be in America. That led her to go after particularly challenging careers in modeling and acting, where you get more no's than yeses. Her hard work paid off, and three decades later, she's an actor, author, producer, and since 2020, a reality TV star. That's when she joined the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills as the first black cast member. The show, she says, isn't just about the drama, though there's certainly plenty of that. She also hopes it's an inspiration to other women who get a chance to see women over 40 on TV, starting businesses, dealing with life, being honest and open, and most of all, succeeding. Garcelle Bouvet, thank you so much for joining me today for a special edition of CNET's I'm So Obsessed podcast. We're doing it first time ever, not in a studio, not over just the two of us talking over Zoom, as part of Red Ventures a Leadership and Women's Empowerment Summit, which has been going on since yesterday and continues today. And you are our, our guest speaker. And so thank you so much for taking the time to be here. You have a lot of fans. I don't know if you can read the chat. I'm going to be reading the chat. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to put up the chat so I can see it. First of all, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I love, love, love what you're doing. So I'm going to start, Garcelle, by just asking you to give us a little context. You've been an actor you're a producer, you're creative, you've, you're an artist, you're an author, and you've been doing it for a long time. And along the way, I'm sure that you have faced lots of interesting challenges. So when people ask you to describe your origin story, tell us your origin story. First of all, being a little girl in Haiti um, and really coming to the United States when I didn't really even know what was happening, honestly. I mean, I learned how to speak English washing watching Sesame Street and really started to, you know, I had that immigrant mindset of like, I want every opportunity. I want to do everything because I'm so grateful to be in America. But what comes with that always adversity, you know, adversity or, you know, I chose a career in terms of, I started off as a model that you get a lot of no's before you get a lot of yeses. And within all that and and starting an acting career and all the things that I've been able to do it's really about perseverance and and now I feel we are no longer boxed in we don't have to do just one thing especially when it comes to women it's really beautiful to see how we've evolved how we support one another and how we are uh we can we're bosses we can do a lot of things did you have someone supporting you along the way how did you do it yeah, I'm, of course, my mom. I mean, my mom is my shiro because, first of all, she had the wherewithal to bring us to the States. And then just seeing how strong and resilient she was for her giving me the 
I say in my book, the wings to, to fly, you know, as a parent, you, you want to be able to do that, but not everybody does that. But she literally let me move to New York when I was 17 years old to start my modeling career. And when we knew nothing about it, honestly, I mean, we knew Eileen Ford, it was a reputable agency, but uh, along the way, I say, my mom, my sisters, my friends, I have a group of front row women in my life that support me in so many ways, whether it's just cheering me on or picking me up. And I think those uh, relationships are important. You know, you've had a very long career, and I'm not saying that to age you by, by any stretch of the imagination. I'm like, damn. <laughs> I'm talking about it because it is hard to be successful and to stay relevant and to and to be part of conversations and want people to have you be part of conversations. And so I know there's challenges and opportunities, but talk about some of the good things that happened along the way. I think the doors that were able to, to open for me and not only from modeling to the acting, but I think doors now are opening for us in different ways. We're able to um, produce, we're able to, you know, be moms and be, and be able to multitask with our lives. I think that's important. I've seen growth in that. I've seen growth in women supporting women. And along the way, you can't do it by yourself, no matter, no matter what, you know? And I think for me, I'm also a Sagittarius. So I love to, I get bored easy. So I try to do things all the time. And I think that's really what has made my career last as long as, and I don't like the word to stay relevant because I feel like we're all relevant, right? And it doesn't matter if you're in front of the camera or behind the camera or whatever you do in life, we're all relevant. I mean, 2020 has definitely taught us that. Like look at the frontline, you know, people that we depended on during the 2020. I think we became, we were able to see the importance of people who are at our grocery store, people delivering our mail, like the things that we took for granted before. So I think we're all relevant. All right, I'm gonna give you that because you're right. I shouldn't have said that and I misspoke. You're no, right. You. People say it all the time. Right, but but I shouldn't say it. None of us should say it. That's what this is all about, is learning and, and sharing and growing together. Um, what's the best career advice that you got early on and is that the same advice you would give to someone else? I would. I think the best advice I got is enjoy the journey. It's not so much about where you land. It's not about the job. It's the journey because the journey is the longest part of it, right? The journey to getting to where you want to be. So enjoy the journey because I think if we have a lot of angst and a lot of fear, then you're not going to get to the final destination. Like I used to be afraid to go to auditions. I thought, oh my God, they're going to, they're going to find out that I can't do it. I, I was just always nervous. And then I decided one day, I mean, over time, not one day, that the journey is important. You know, if I really do love what I do, then I should be willing to do it for free. So walking into a room with casting directors and producers and directors, enjoy that so that the outcome is not the only prize. It's the fact that you went through it and you were able to do it. And once I did that, I felt like I booked more jobs. I felt like I let go of that fear and I was able to be a lot more present in the things that I was doing. When you think back on your um, career, certainly the industry has changed. We live in a world now where we're not going to movie theaters. We're all streaming. Maybe we're all streaming, you know, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills or old episodes. But um, are you optimistic on what you're seeing in the industry that you've been a part of? Oh, absolutely. I'm optimistic. There's a lot more to, to go, but definitely optimistic with seeing women um, 
you know, at the helm of a lot of things. I mean, first of all, we have our first female VP, Kamala Harris. I mean, that's a big step. I think we're seeing women green light, you know, shows, be producers, executive producers, do incredible things. And I think those are all good signs of we're moving in the right direction. And I feel like we've, we've bonded in a way. I think the sisterhood, maybe it's since me too, or I don't know what it was, but I feel like there's a, a more of a community with, with women now more so than when I was growing up. Do you think that the roles that you're getting or the roles that you're seeing other women of color getting, uh, I mean, obviously it's a long time coming. When you talk about optimism, what, what would you like to see? Like what's something that you're gonna go and say, wow, We've hit it, man. This is amazing. Um, I would love to see a Black female director be nominated for an Oscar. I really would. And I would love to see, you know, other movies be nominated for big awards that are not. I feel like when we're showing our narrative, it's usually through traumatic, whether it's a slave movie. And we've seen those and we needed to see those. But I think now it's the time. Let's just have movies about people. Let's just you know, continue letting women shine and be the bosses that we are. Um, you do a podcast in which you give advice. Tell us a little bit about the the reason that you did the podcast. Well, first of all, tell everyone who, who doesn't know, I'm not going to speak for you. What is your podcast? What was the goal? And tell us about it. Uh, my podcast is called Going to Bed with Garcelle. And how it really started is once a month when I didn't have my children uh, with me, they were with their dad. I would invite friends over. Sometimes I would do all girls. Sometimes I would do couples or an eclectic group. And we would sit and we'd talk and laugh and drink. And eventually the conversations always led to sex. I don't know why. So at the end of every time I'm saying goodbye to people walking out the door, someone would always say, why aren't you doing this? This is a show. And I'd go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then life would happen and I would do nothing about it. And so one day my producing partner, Lisa L. Wilson, and I decided, you know what, let's do a sizzle reel and see what happens. We do a sizzle reel. We use our money. We get friends to help us, you know, with cameras and all that stuff. And we sold the show to MGM. And, uh, and we were like, well, let's take it out. Let's try to sell it as a late night, you know, talk show. Pandemic happens. Everybody's shut down. Nothing can be done. So they were like, why don't we do a podcast? And it became this, it became this thing that where I always did a celebrity and a real girlfriend, and we would just have the most liberating, empowering, just fun conversations. No one ever left saying, oh my God, I wish I didn't say that, or I felt pressured to talk about this. And it was just really fun. Although I sometimes woke up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat going, I can't believe I shared that. <laughs> what What were some of the conversations? I mean, you talk about people's yeah. sex life, but yeah, give us, give us a little down on it. I mean, I talked about mine. I talked about, you know, my kids, you know, finding my vibrator. I talk about, you know, coming out of a divorce and feeling like I had to find my sexuality again. I had to find out what I liked, what I didn't like, and not just sexually, just all over the place. When I didn't have my kids, what do I do with my time? A lot of my identity, although I was an actor doing things, I loved being married, you know, and I didn't think at that age I would be going through a divorce and being single again. So there was a lot of like, you know, finding myself and going to bed with Garcelle was one of them. What have you found out about yourself over the past few years? We've been living in this strange pandemic, I don't know, you know, lockdown world. And yeah, tell us a little bit about, well, what, I know you've been working on projects and you've been doing things, but what have you learned about yourself? It was hard. It was really hard at first because I'm so, I'm always on the go. 
that staying still and staying still in my home was something new that I hadn't really uh, had ever done. We've never done that. We, we can't go out. And so, and also my kids are being homeschooled. I mean, that was a big deal. Like, what does that look like? Will they really do it? Will they thrive? Will they won't thrive? So there was a lot of it. And what I realized is I was planning too far ahead. I wasn't taking it day to day. So that's, you know, I started doing that. I was like, you know what? Don't worry about the weekend, what you're going to do. Worry about today. Let's get through today. And how many closets can I re, you know, reorganize during the pandemic? But what I learned is kind of spring cleaning of my life. Like who was important? What's not important? Always saying yes to things and then going, God, I really don't want to do that. And I felt like it got everybody really found out what was important to you. And you sort of like weeded out all the noise. Did it change your parenting style? Um, I think it made me appreciate the, the time that we had together because it was always like running them here, running them there, going to this practice or that practice. It made me appreciate like, you know what? They're going to be gone soon in terms of going on with their lives in college. Enjoy this time. It's for a reason. I think some people from uh, Red Venture today know you from The Real Housewives. That's quite a journey. So tell, we want to hear some dirt, I think, on The Real Housewives. So could you give us some dirt on that? Let me tell you, it is the hardest, it is the hardest thing I've ever done, honestly. I've never done reality um, because it's you. You can't hide behind a character. The cameras are in your home. They're in your car. I never trust when they take the cameras out of my car. I think they've left one. <laughs> one still here um dirt um what i find hard in a way is that you know we're we have friendships right and i think some friendships can be really tough but you can't let go of those friendships because you're still together you're a group right so it's really working through and some some are easier to be friends with than others honestly you know, it's just what it is, but, um, it's going to be a fun season. Let me tell you this, we're, I feel like this new season, um, airing May 11th is going, you're going to see a lot more of the friendships you're going to, they're tested for sure. Obviously there's going to be drama. Anytime you have eight strong, modern women, there's going to be drama. Um, but it's also fun, which I'm glad we're getting back to some fun last year. I felt like was really heavy with all the Erica stuff, but because it was also heavy heavy things she's going through. How did you decide that you wanted to have your life filmed in that way, right? Like a lot of people say, oh, wow, Kardashians, they make it look so easy. I, I don't imagine it's easy and that you can be very self-conscious about it. But yeah, so tell us a little bit about, they come to you and they say, we want you to be part of the show. And you're like, yay, you know. Not right away. Not right away. <laughs> um, I was at a time, I was at a point in my career where I was traveling a lot. Nothing as an actor, not a lot of shows shoot in LA, right? I was in Atlanta. I was in Vancouver. I was in Toronto. I was everywhere but home. And I share my kids with their dads. So I really wanted to spend more quality time. They were going into middle school and I thought, oh boy, sex, drugs, and rock and roll is about to be at the door. I want to be home more. So when my manager called me, he said, uh, they're interested in you for Beverly Hills. I'm going to say no, but I'm just telling you because... I know you know a lot of people. And I said, hold on, let me think about it. And he's like, I don't think it's a good idea. And I said, give me some time with it. And I slept on it a couple of nights. I spoke to my ex-husband because obviously we co-parent. I had to talk with the kids. And what I really thought, I was a fan of the franchise. Obviously, I know the ladies, uh, some more than others. And uh, 
it felt like it was something that would keep me in LA, but I had a panic attack the week before it started airing because I thought, oh, it's gonna be out there. You know what I mean? This is it, there's no turning back. I remember calling my girlfriend, Nicole, and she literally had to talk me off the ledge because I'm like, what did I do? Why did I sign up for this? And, uh, you know, and then it was out. Does the camera disappear at some point and you just yourself or what? What's really great about it is they're not here every single day, you know, which is great because it gives you time. But the thing is, when they are here, you forget that they're here. These guys are the best of the best. They're like stealth bombers. You don't even know they're around. And I think that's the beauty of the show is that you forget. And, you know, even if you're in a scene with, you know, the women, we're at dinner, not a scene, but we're at dinner. And uh, you forget because they're, they're all over the place and you have real emotions. If somebody says something to you, you're going to react and you can't filter it. I hate when people say, do you have a storyline? It's hard to have a storyline when there's seven other people that can derail that storyline because it's really more you're in the moment. But yeah, so that was a tough decision, but I'm glad I did it, though. A hundred years from now, people are going to look back at all the reality shows that that have been part of this era and try to like make sense of them. So when you think about the show at a very high level, I mean, it is a focus on women. There's a lot of drama. Obviously, that's what makes entertainment. But what are you hoping that it contributes to the narrative about women in this time? You know, I hope what it contributes is that, first of all, these are all women of a certain age, you know, and uh and we're doing this, we're creating businesses, we're living our lives. I think there's something to be said. I feel like we don't get enough credit for that. I mean, these are women that are putting, first of all, are brave enough to put their lives, you know, for everyone to see and dissect, we're in a fishbowl. But there is something about the bravery and the, you know, being able to, like I said, create businesses and be authentic and, and, uh, hopefully it'll inspire, you know, like after 40, you're not done. You know, there's more life to live and we're living longer. So I hope you take away some kind of inspiration out of it. Well, I think that's super interesting that women of a, of a certain age want to be seen. I mean, certainly, right. The population is more than half women. They're not all under the age of 15. Right. Right. Yeah, definitely. And I think for me, even when I started in this business, you know, you always heard like, you know, 40, you're done, you're a husband, it's over. And I think we're proving that to be wrong in so many ways and not just reality, but in life. When we talk about women's empowerment, which is the theme of this conference is empowerment, but also living the in-between. We're living in this kind of weird moment in history. And you know, challenges remain. I was just telling the story right before you joined about how crash test dummies are built on men and they're tested. Women are not put, crash test dummy women's, which don't exist, but they're smaller, are never put in the driver's seat. Right. When, you, when you talk about owning your narrative and, and telling the story of who you are, how, what advice do you give to people? I mean, we have lots of women listening and they want to know you're powerful, you're successful, you're authentic, all of the things that I think lots of us want to be. So can you share a little bit of, of how we get there? I think it's just pushing through no matter what. I think it's pushing through. It's interesting you said about the uh, test uh, dummies. I was having a conversation with my boys in the car and I said, I can't wait to teach you how to drive. And they were like, oh, no, 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 no. Dad's going to teach us how to drive. And I go, why? 
And they're like, oh, dad's a better driver. I go, what are you basing this on? Like, I said, I've never had any accidents. And it's interesting, like their wherewithal. And I finally, to shock them, I go, is that a better driver? Because he has a penis. And they were horrified. <laughs> And I'm like, because really, what are you basing that on? And I still to this day don't know, but it's interesting the roles that we just adapt to, not even knowing why, right? So I think for me is, yeah, there are times where I'm scared. There are times that I'm anxious about doing something or trying something. But I think what I do is I'd rather push through and fail then not do it at all and be regretful. I don't want to be sitting on my rocking chair going, I wish I had done that. I wish I had tried that. I can say, you know what? I did that and it didn't go so well, but I tried it. And I think that's what we have to do. And also support each other. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The name of this podcast is called I'm So Obsessed. So, Garcelle, tell us what you're obsessed with. Oh, I think I'm embarrassed to say, but I'm so obsessed with Love is Blind. Because? Because it's a dating show, and I, and I truly wonder if love is blind. Can you connect with someone and never see them and then decide to marry them? I, I'm obsessed because I think the show is really different, and uh, it, it just makes you think. I think it's a social experiment of can you truly connect with someone and fall in love without seeing them. So that's fascinating to me as I'm single and navigating that. Are you a binge watcher? No, I don't have that much time. And I don't understand why we have to do it all in one day. Um, I can do the most I think I've done was four episodes at a time. And that was Bridgerton. Okay, well, that's a good one. That, that's, that's moving yourself into Regency England for a couple of hours. Okay, so for this podcast, which is for CNET, we're at primarily a tech site, although we write about the culture and intersection of science and entertainment, et cetera. What is your favorite piece of tech? I would have to say my iPhone. My, I mean, my God. I mean, there's sometimes though, I just want to throw it on my bed and be done with it because I feel like I'm holding on to this thing for almost 24 hours. Um, but definitely my iPhone. I mean, I think the fact that we can work um, you know, when I'm in the carpool line waiting to pick up my kids, I can return emails. I mean, that's amazing. I noticed that you had, uh, you did a TikTok. What's your view on TikTok and social media? My kids were horrified. They were like, mom, no. Um, <laughs> you know, it's the way of the world. It's unbelievable. I, I know it's for fun, but I've also seen really cool things. I remember we talked about this on The Real. There was a girl that was abducted and she did this sign on TikTok and somebody had seen it and they understood what the sign was and luckily she got saved. So I think- it's the new normal and you just got to go with it. But I hope it's more for the good than for the bad. Uh, are you a big social media user? I kind of have to be. I have. I used to have a love-hate relationship with it. I'm now more loving it. I. It, it's part of our culture. And if you're not on it, you know, I think you're missing out a little bit. But it's. It, it, I want it to be where we're not dependent on it, you know? I know they were thinking of taking likes off of Instagram and I thought that would be a great idea, but what about the people who make money because of the likes? 
So it's a, it's a really interesting time in our lives. But growing up, I'm glad there was no social media. It can hurt kids in a way of like feeling like they're missing out or this person has more or this person has the latest. And I think that's the, the part that I don't like about it. How, um, how tech savvy are your kids? Do you let them play with a lot of tech? They're great at it. And I'm always asking for, you know, for help. <laughs> but not with, not with driving, not with driving. I think apparently, no. <laughs> if you could have any piece of tech invented just for you, what would you want? Ooh, that's a good question. I think, you know, could I clone myself and have another person so I can get more done in the day? Would that be a tech thing? It would It'd be a little creepy. <laughs> You'd have a... You'd have a robot version of Garcelle, I guess, a clone yeah, version. Goes where? Yeah. Well, thank you for being such a uh, prominent and powerful voice and advocate for women. And I really appreciate your spin on The Real Housewives because I don't think lots of people think of what's behind it. And so getting women seen of all ages is yeah. a, a massive platform. Uh, this was really fun. I'm so happy to be included. And thank you for doing it. It's wonderful. Thank you, Garcelle Bouvet, for talking to me. And thank you for listening. I'm So Obsessed was created by our executive producer, Danielle Ramirez. Our editor and lead producer is Sophia Fox Sowell. And this episode was produced by Rebecca Fleener. Please take a moment and subscribe to I'm So Obsessed on your favorite podcast app. And follow the show on Twitter at I'm So Obsessed Pod. Until next time. Take care.